As we're heading toward the holiday, just remember there is an awful lot still to be thankful for and probably even more to come next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principal Policy, and along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, John Michaels. Hey, Barry, it's great to be back with you, uh, uh, even though we skipped a week uh, due to scheduling conflicts. It's good to be back, and you know what? If you listen to the show that we posted, that we ran last week... Mm -hmm. You can't tell that we skipped a week, and except unless you listen really close to the we, dates. We, that we, we have very sharp listeners. They knew. Uh, they knew. Yeah, uh, but but you know what, Chuck? It's just like uh, some themes just keep going on and on and on. As a matter of fact, you and I were talking before we got on here that uh, if you go back in our archives, and yes, folks, you can go to the archives at principledpolicy.com. And you can go back and look at our various podcasts, and uh, you'll find one from, what was it? The 31st. 31st of October. Yeah. Um, where even before the election, we were talking about what everybody right now is talking about, and that is voter fraud. Yeah, it's entitled uh, Election Fraud, you say. Sounds like a conspiracy theory. Well, and you know what? <laughs> the left is saying that right now, yes. Chuck, because the problem is the more... The challenges are coming toward what had happened in the states of Michigan, Georgia, Nevada, potentially Arizona, and other places. We're starting to realize that um, the old adage is true. It's not a conspiracy if everyone truly is against you. Uh, we've talked about that on the same show, I'm almost sure. <laughs> I'm sure we did. <laughs> I, I haven't listened to it recently, but uh, on the same show. That it stops being a conspiracy theory when you can prove that there was a conspiracy. When you can document a conspiracy. Yeah, and it, it's starting to look more and more like a conspiracy has been in the works. Now, folks, you know, let's be quite frank about this. It is going to take some momentous work by attorneys much sharper than either Chuck or I are, and we're not attorneys, but in order to be able to build a case strong enough to get the justices of the United States Supreme Court to basically step in and through whatever means that they find themselves availing of alter the outcome of an election. Now, as we're starting to realize more and more and it's funny chuck like just yesterday before the day before we taped this uh i'm talking to a couple of individuals and they started talking about it you know it's just so depressing and disappointing that they can you know, people can corrupt our elections this way and i had to look at them and say do you think this is the first election that they tried oh my this gosh. in oh my gosh no i said the only reason why we know the are starting to get a better grasp of the depth and the extent of the corruption that has been extant in our elections most likely for the last 20 to 30 years is that they finally ran across somebody who wasn't going to lay down and die immediately upon being wounded donald trump didn't concede the election he doubled down. They're going after these places. And what are we starting to find, Chuck? We're finding missing thumb drives that have votes on them that were never counted. And boy, when you count them, 
and the, the and no, Chuck, these are not missing thumb drives that somebody like the Al Franken finding ballots in the trunk of a car. Right. These are the actual ones that were used in the real voting machines that should have been counted in the first place and how they I would assume that you would have to have some kind of a log between the machine number and the 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 thumb drive numbers in order to make sure you had them all when you were counting. There is a count. Yes, there's supposed to be a count. There is a count. There's a count of how many total ballots have been supposedly been cast, and you have to match that to the number of votes in the system. And they and when we we'll start when they started getting screwed. Now remember, this was coming from you know this is this is one of these states where election observers were told it's okay for you to observe as long as we're in a stadium and you're on the other side of it. I.e., Trump's election observers were being denied entry into the counting room to be able to observe the ballots being opened and look at them. There's only one reason to have that happen. Fraud. Absolutely. You're gaming the system by destroying a ballot, altering a ballot, or adding ballots that are not legitimate. Right. To that count. It's the only it's the only possible explanation. There's no reason to block to put actual things up over the windows where people can look in and watch you doing it unless you're defrauding the system. And now folks for that one, that was in Detroit where they basically barred boarded up the windows so that the observers couldn't look in the room that they were in there doing the count in places and in locking them out of it. Pennsylvania as well. in in Philadelphia. And as a matter of fact, just, I think, well, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I think it was just today, or maybe it was late yesterday. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which is mainly liberal, basically denied the Trump campaign's uh, allegations that their observers were illegally and illegitimately barred from viewing the counts. They basically said, well, as long as they were in the same room, that's all that matters, and they didn't care what size room it was. Yeah. So you so, can, so yeah. So if you put them in a let's say a school gymnasium and you're counting up on the stage, and you told the observers you have to be on the other end of the gym behind the bleachers. That's where your seats yeah. are, where you can't see it and you can't see what they're doing. According to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, that's perfectly legitimate. Yeah. Think about it in terms of a basketball arena. You're in an indoor building. Yep. Um, if you put everybody under the uh, under uh, one set of baskets and the people that are counting on the opposite set of baskets what can you see you can see a basket you can see a basket you can <laughs> you can you might be able to discern who's over on the other end of the court can you tell what they're doing over their shoulder yeah no of course not not unless you have a uh, a spotting scope with a uh, like a 16x lens in the spotting scope you might be able to do that if you're if your telescope's good enough uh, no, it's not going to happen. You know, you mentioned historically there are some whopper elections in, yes. this, in this country's history. Yeah, well, I yes. mean, some whoppers. And I don't mean, I mean presidential elections. There's one that rivals this one. And I've told people this and they're like, really? And I'm like, yes. You have to read the book. There's a book called uh, The Stolen Election. Oh, quaint title. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no beating about the bush here. Eh? Well, yeah, I, yeah. yeah no, are, is that a euphemism for something? <laughs> yeah, there, it's called Hayes versus Tilden, 1876. And as you know... 1876, yes, folks. Uh, yeah, it's, there, uh, we're talking about election corruption has been around for a long, long, long yeah, time. We're, we're, we're clo- 144 years. Um, and th- think about this. Uh, 
It, it was, by the way, this this uh, there are two of these books with virtually the same title, and but the conclusion is the same. Uh, we don't have a president Samuel J. Tilden in our in the uh, pantheon of former presidents because the election of eighteen seventy six was stolen from him mm-hmm. uh, by Rutherford B. Hayes. Now, I, I, Hayes was a great guy. Hayes was a Christian man. He was he did not do the stealing. Uh, let's be clear about that. Uh, he was not in on it. Uh, what happened was, believe it or not, there were two states, two different states that turned in two different slates of electors. Mm-hmm. And it essentially got into the House of Representatives. Yes. Who had to decide, and I mean the wrangling went on for weeks. You mean uh, past January 20th? Uh, I th- it did not. Uh, but okay. remember, the inauguration date at that time was March, March 4th. 4th. That's right. Uh, yeah, they, that's another little piece of history that people need to realize. We've moved the inauguration date much earlier than what it was originally scheduled for. Yeah, it used to be March 4th. Up yeah. until uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, mm-hmm. it was March 4th. Right. And we constitutionally changed that date. Yes. Um, and um, um, and, But that being the case... Um, the uh, uh, what basically happened was there was some major uh, wheeling and dealing regarding certain types of legislation for whose slate would come out on top, and since the Republicans held the majority of seats, uh, but the Democrats had enough that they could they could monkey branch it. Uh, what happened was a number of de- the big. What can you think of? If you think of the date, eighteen seventy six. What was the biggest deal that came out of the election of eighteen seventy six? The deal that got cut. What happened the next year? Right after, not too long after the inauguration. I'm trying to remember. I offhand, I can't remember. Reconstruction came to an end. Oh, it the, ended the reconstruction. The, yeah, okay. The, cause I was thinking, well, reconstruction started like right after the Civil War. Oh, but it <laughs> so ended. It ended in 1877. In 1877. Yep, you're and, right. And guess why? Because that was one of the deals that got cut, mm-hmm. so that Rutherford B. Hayes would be the president. Now, how many terms did Ruthie serve? He didn't even serve a full term. Yeah, he did. Okay, he did. Okay, all right. I I thought he maybe... He He served one. One term, yeah. And uh, everybody said, no thank you. After that, 1880. I was going to say, in the election of 1880 was a doozy as well, uh, in its own right. Well, there was a... a, uh, All the ones that go to the House very often have a lot of political back... uh, you know, back dealing and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so it, you mean like unfaithful electors and uh, and parties and party switchers who are ostensibly one party well, who back the other party and well, endorse them, sort of like John Kasich? Yeah, uh, except they remember that the whole problem is if it gets to the House, that means that the uh, the electoral vote was tied. Yes, it does. See, now that is something I'm finding interesting about our current milieu that we have right now, and that is... We do not have certification, and we may not be able to have certification of ballots from at least four states, possibly more, because I believe there's still six states where there are active legal claims in play 
over the election. Now, we heard today that Wayne County, Michigan, which I think is Detroit, Detroit, yeah, uh, has quote-unquote certified their ballots. There's actually no legitimate way for them to be able to do that. Right, because there's an active lawsuit. Because there's active lawsuits involved. Chuck, I know that normally when we get to December the 14th, which is the constitutionally reserved date, well, the day is that, but it's like the first, and I that, forget, like second, the second Wednesday, or the Wednesday after the second Monday or something like that yeah, in December. It's, a, it's, a, it, yeah. it's one of those ones where you have to basically, you know, divine it and figure it out. It's not always chart. the same date. It's every not year. always the same every, date, every, but every for this years. year, it falls on December the 14th. But we get to December the 14th, we may have a similar situation as to the Rutherford B. Hayes situation where you have a state who has to send two different slates of electors because they haven't determined who actually won the state. And it's within a, you know, a margin. I mean, Trump's, well, you know, did Biden pick up votes in Arizona? Or is Trump picking up votes in Pennsylvania? Um, is Michigan still up for grabs? Wisconsin. There are a number of states, Georgia, the Carolina. There are a number of okay. states where we really just don't have the clue. Now, we do know one thing, though. Donald Trump won Ohio, so guess whose electors are going to the electoral That's right. In Ohio. That's right. Now, if they get the vote, here's why. If you can't certify a vote, then it has to go to the House. Exactly. Which is exactly what happened in 1876. Yes, which means that by December the 14th, if we don't have all the states certified to where they know for certain, okay, within a doubt of having, quote-unquote, a faithless elector or two or three right. switch votes, um, they pretty much know for certain which one of these two men actually have crossed the 270-vote threshold. Right. Now, we get 269 to 269, Chuck. That's That's the constitutional... Um, framework for it having to go over and the house take it over i'm not i'm pretty sure and stop me if i'm wrong maybe it's because i haven't dusted off my constitution in a little bit i'm kind of ashamed of myself that uh there is no provision set in there for if we can't actually have a vote on an elector on on a set of electors if we can't actually cast those ballots in all the states let's say we stick with where some of the maps are showing it right now with biden setting it uh what 234 or something like that and trump at 223 well supposedly uh biden has 290 but again it's not certified but again it's not certified those electors, states yeah. that have active lawsuits cannot certify until the lawsuits are settled period yes exactly uh I think in 1876, the big problem was the Electoral College vote had to skip to the House because they couldn't certify those two state ballots. Okay, right. Okay, so we may end up having four states where you can't certify those ballots. So we do have a historical precedent, whether or not it's a constitutionally obvious precedent. I'm going to have to break that book back out and read it, but because yeah. I, if you recall... Uh, folks, you, you should know this. Uh, first of all, if we awarded electoral votes uh, the way we're supposed to award them... Uh, by the original plan. By yes. the original plan, uh, this was not laid out constitutionally. It was assumed that the states were going to do it this way, mm -hmm. uh, and that, which is why they proportioned the electoral college the way they did. Um, it was all 
uh, uh, all of the electoral votes are supposed to be awarded by whoever won a specific congressional district. Right. Not a winner-take-all. No, not again, a winner-take-all. And if you looked at on election night and you started seeing the map, you saw two states who looked like zebras because they yes. had red and blue and white stripes in them because they had to have a... So, like, you had Nebraska, which has three congressional districts and the two Senate seats, and then you have Maine, which has two congressional districts and the two Senate seats, and they had to basically wait and to see what the vote counts were in each of those congressional districts, not the statewide totals. Now, the other 48 states, Ohio included, we went to a program, and this is a progressive move as well, Chuck. We should... Anytime you see something in an election that looks like it's basically skewed one way or the other, you can thank progressivism for pushing pushing the envelope on this. And the progressives pushed the envelope across the country. Now, they're doing the same thing now, Chuck. You and I have fought it for a few years. It's called the National Popular Vote. National Popular Vote, yeah. Or, I hate to say it, I do believe that even though you got conservatives being mouthpieces now, the whole Constitutional Convention, Article 5 Constitutional Convention move is a progressive move in order to... Oh, it's absolutely. ...is another way to get at wrecking the Electoral College because uh, that is the the shibboleth, the MacGuffin, the grail of the left is destroying that right. functionality. Uh, basically removing the remaining functionality of things like the Electoral College. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, well, uh, w- w- one thing I was going to bring up, uh, people should know that I have done extensive research onto the Electoral College, and I do do a lecture on that, although it's been a while since I did it, so I'd have to warm back up. I, I, you know, I'm going to make a pronouncement here, and you know, our listening audience can shake your head and just say I'm a shameless self-promoter, but I have a feeling you and I should be dusting off our, our materials yeah. because yeah. if Joe Biden is certified as the next president of the United States, I have a feeling our Constitution classes are going to start filling back up again. I, I I had to laugh. We, we had a fellow. We we taught a Constitution class down in um, Canal Winchester. Okay. Uh, do you remember that class? It was uh, oh eight or oh nine. It was one of our first classes. We yeah, I don't know if it was. It was. It was early. It was an early one. Oh uh, eight or oh nine, some somewhere around yeah. there. And we had people in there who were like chomping at the bit. What? How can we? Uh, uh, they really wanted to be rid of Barack Obama. Yeah. And they wanted to see him hauled out of the White House in handcuffs and all that stuff. And I said, folks, read Article 3 of the Constitution. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, impeachment, the only penalty available for impeachment is removal from office. That's it. That doesn't even mean you can't run again. Right. It just now, says it, if the reason for your impeachment is because of the commission of some kind of an actual civil crime... Uh, such as bribery, extortion, murder, right, rape, uh, you know, and actually Bill Clinton's, you know, parlance. Oh, I guess it wasn't though. According to everybody, uh, it yeah. wasn't. It, it actually was. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, is that you can be tried separately for the civil infractions and face the penalties there. But as far as your political infra, you know, the the idea of impeachment, the only thing it can reach to is removal from office. You cannot be put into jail by being impeached. I think that was the whole deal that Pelosi and company and Schiff and others really wasn't wasn't able to grasp or they were just intentionally being obtuse about when they went to impeach Donald Trump is they their whole fait accompli was they wanted to put him behind bars. And it's like, 
that's not, not the way it works. That's not what an impeachment's <laughs> for. First of all, you don't have enough evidence to actually bring charges of impeachment, although you ginned up a bunch of stuff through lies and intimidation in order to get there, but you were roundly rejected by the Senate because even if the Senate would have found, the only thing you could have done was removed him from office. There was nothing, and there nothing rose to the level of a criminal offense. What they wanted to do was pr- refer for prosecution at the uh, state and federal level. Right, exactly. For for what? Oh, for not showing us your income tax return? Yeah. I, I, I wasn't sure exactly there. what their end game was on that, other than the fact that they just wanted to cause well, chaos. what they wanted to find, and look, everybody knows this. Uh, I hate to say that because when you say everybody knows this, it means you uh, sp- usually it means that uh, nobody knows it, and I don't know how to prove it. Uh, <laughs> I I can prove this. Um, the fact is is that if you look deep enough into anybody's taxes, any corporate taxes, any personal tax, I could take your income tax form and take it into a, a tax attorney, and they could find a place where you made a mistake. Oh, absolutely. And that is because the tax code is so overly convoluted and complex that there are places where it contradicts itself. Therefore, if you took one deduction, you it's, allowed, it's allowed yeah. in one place and not allowed not in another. another place. And guess what? You're in, I could, we could refer you for prosecution. That's the problem with some of these... Uh, um, these, that's what they wanted. They wanted the excuse to refer him for prosecution. Therefore, we need to see his, inc- his personal income tax forms. Right. Well, they never did get those, um, and for good reason. They're private. They are. He had no obligation to show us his income tax forms, and I didn't want to see them. Now, it's very interesting that the double standard at the New York Times, who basically essentially weaseled a copy— uh, but when it came to some some of the paperwork on Joe Biden, oh no, we can't allow that to be printed. Right, exactly. It, it's a, it's a complete double standard. Look, we knew this going in. Uh, sure. Uh, I, I want to tie it to other stuff. Okay. When we see uh, how the the mainstream media has handled Trump in the four and a half years they harassed him over this Trump Russia allegation that turned out to be not only completely false but completely fabricated um how are we to trust them on any other story for instance the numbers in the covid um pandemic or the fact that joe biden is president-elect although that yes is, that doesn't exist until after the electors name meet. a story because they've dr- i i have they haven't had any credibility with me for decades but there are other people who trusted the news media up until relatively recently um, anybody who watched Vietnamese and uh, the Vietnam war coverage should know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend who was in Vietnam fighting the war during the Tet Offensive. And he says, our, uh, the people who were in charge told us we're three weeks from total victory. Right. They're done. They wiped out the cream of both the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong, uh, army, the, the, the fighters. Yep. He says, they're done. What did we do about it? We pulled out. Yeah, we pulled back. Yep, let them re- let them let them regroup. Regroup. Um, and meantime, Walter Cronkite's over here saying we're defeated. We're done. It's all over. No, it wasn't. It was all over for the other side. But he was telling us we were defeated in in that battle. Well, that was because the Tet that, that that was the direction they had to take it. You know, in order to 
move forward with with their bigger game plans. Well, this is a man who who had World War II uh, combat reporting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, also, you have to look. Why is the news media so leftist when they look up to guys like? Uh, they, uh, this name may not ring a bell for our younger people. Well, Walter Cronkite won't. He's been dead for, well, what, 20 years or something? Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Severide, all those guys uh, were World War II reporting vets. But you know what? They were pro-Stalin to a man. Why? Because Stalin was our ally. Okay. Joseph Stalin was our ally. The fact that he was murdering, that he spent 1937 and 38 murdering almost in his entire general staff, which left him vulnerable to attack by Hitler uh, because he was paranoid that they might overthrow him. Uh, Joseph, Par- uh, Joseph Stalin was a paranoid. Uh, and at the end, he was an anti-Semite. Try and bring that up to guys like, if you'd brought that up before Walter Cronkite, he would have become visibly angry. Right. Because Joseph Stalin was our ally in World War II. He helped us defeat Hitler. Yeah, I'm, no, sure, I'm sure that's Of course not he true, did. Yeah. Hitler attacked Russia. Uh, Joseph Stalin would have allied himself with anybody mm-hmm. to take the pressure off Russia. You'd think, yeah. You know, in Hitler's Eastern Front. Um, in fact, what they tried to do for years was to get us to invade France way too early. So we would have lost an, you know, our entire army um, invading f- Fortress Europe. Um, you know, there was a movement that went on Second Front now and all that. Yeah. Um, and there were people in, the, in America who were agitating for it. And basically, the English had to say... Uh, Hitler isn't as soft as you seem to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, go with us into North Africa, and, and we'll show you. And and that was demonstrated. Had Hitler uh, put his resources in North Africa was a sideshow to him, and it still took us months to run him out. Us and the British and the um, the Australians and the the Allied Allied troops. Um, so uh, that being said, going back to it, uh, the honesty of the media. That's an oxymoron. Honesty and media, there isn't any. This is why you should avail yourself. I'm not saying solely, uh, but you should avail yourself of other media. Go. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, uh, this is why Fox News was very popular until recently when they suddenly decided that they were going to go with the flow, uh, they got sick and tired of not being invi- invited to all the Washington, D.C. and New York City cocktail parties <laughs> and decided to go with the flow. Plus, they're owned by the Murdoch brothers, who are basically running it, uh, are ultra-liberal. So uh, don't kid yourself that uh, a, an owner doesn't uh, influence um, editorial policy. Don't kid yourself. Of course they do. Now I would I would suggest people go out to uh, to get the other side. Go out to One American News. Go out to Newsmax. Um, there are any number of outlets out there, uh, and avail yourself of all the opinion, including the what I would consider to be uh, um, fringe. Uh, I okay. see stuff out there that uh, that I'm like I'd laugh. I'm like, really, you guys really are are going to go there with that? Like for instance, I've seen. I read a couple of places where there's a guy that insists there is no COVID vaccine. Or, I mean, vaccine. No COVID virus. Well, okay. 
Mm. Let's not take this overboard. Um, if you you know if you're arguing that the that the the things that we're doing about it don't work, you're right. They don't obviously, or it'd be over by now. Um, a virus going to do what a virus going to do, and you can wear ma- You can wear five masks. Um, you can you can make sure you are always twenty feet away from the guy in, in line at the grocery store. And the fact is, if you're going to get it, then, and uh, and as Christians, we should understand this. If you're if God is got it in the book that you're going to get it and die or get sick, you're going to get it and die or get sick. Flat out, it's true. God is sovereign in these things, and and that's one of the saddest things to hear. Uh, people don't understand that God is sovereign. Now, I'm not saying put the Lord your God to the test. I'm saying don't be foolish about some of this stuff. Don't force your fellow man to wear a mask that is at best ineffective and at worst uh, detrimental to his health, his or her health. Uh, because you uh, supposedly you're protected because they're wearing a mask. There's a logical fallacy built into that argument, and you should be able to recognize it. Do you know what it is, Barry? What's the logical fallacy built into the, the wear a mask to protect other people? Well, there's a number of them, but uh, name the you... name the main one. Uh a two-quick-way argument, I believe. Oh, well, th- I'm not talking about what form of it. Okay. Well, you okay. have to have the virus to spread it. Well, yeah, there's that. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's the whole point. You're making people wear masks. Okay, so, so okay, you're looking just for the basic one. Okay? Yeah. I thought you were looking about the formal, oh, you no. know, formal or, argument. The, yeah, the argument. not the informal <laughs> form. Okay. The, the, and <laughs> you actually have to have the virus to spread oh, it. If you're wearing the mask... And you have no symptoms, you can't spread it with mask or without mask. If you don't have it, you can't spread it. This is the bottom line. And people are are still going with stuff that they were saying clear back in February and March. Oh, you can spread it without symptoms. No, you can't. That has been debunked. If you have the virus and you have no symptoms, you're not spreading the virus. You can't spread it. You have to have, you have to be shedding the virus from a mucous membrane. If you're not coughing, if you're not sneezing, if your nose isn't running, if your eyes aren't watering. I had all that happen today at lunch, but it wasn't because <laughs> yeah, of COVID. It was because, it was because of the hot sauce. Of the hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> because of some really good hot sauce. That's it. The hot sauce caused you to get COVID. That's, now, yeah, that's, well, it, ca- it caused me to be looked at with deep suspicion by the people in the restaurant. <laughs> are you kidding? Remember the sign on the door? If you see our staff not wearing a mask, it's because of a medical condition. And then I told you, I and as you see me not wearing a mask, yeah, it's because right. of a medical condition. Yeah, it's my mental health that i'm worried about um <laughs> well i'm always worried about my mental health you know i just says um but uh but that being said go back to the arguments and think about them uh it yeah. makes my head hurt to think about well i was okay 
uh, hospitals are overwhelmed. Have you heard this one? Uh, yeah, I'm hearing it more and more, and, but and, I'm looking at all the da- the data and the numbers and the charts that are coming out from the Ohio Department of Health themselves yes. over this whole month showing the utilization of beds, including the ICU beds. And you see <coughs> this little bar for COVID-related ICU admissions and then this huge bar in the middle for non-COVID-related, non-COVID-related. Like heart attacks, cancer, yeah. car wrecks, um, you know, accidental poisonings, the whole nine yards. Folks, there's always going to be a usage of ICU beds. What they're scared about is all of a sudden we have 200,000 people at once drop, right. drop in the street, and all of a sudden there's this massive influx. But you and I did a little bit of math. Yes, we did. The uh, first thing I did was when I saw the numbers, uh, that there were 3,000 COVID cases. Yeah. Uh, yes. uh, or, you know, whatever the number. Uh, that, the number doesn't match, of course, the actual hospitalizations uh, by a factor of, of, of 100%. Yep. Uh, so let's say you've got three, three, about 3,000 uh, hospitalizations supposedly for COVID, although, as we know, some of those are heart conditions, some of those are COPD. Some of those are a whole list of other things that you do die from from COVID. Uh, not just COVID. You, you know, most deaths are with a comorbidity that are actually the cause of death. Okay. Right. Exactly. Now, but let's just take that three thousand that number of three thousand hospitalizations, and they're uh, supposedly there those wouldn't be hospitalized without COVID. Okay. Fine. In a week, let's just say a week. Sure. How many public hospitals are there in Ohio? It took public, me a little bit of work. Uh, public, public hospitals, there's over 150. 168. Okay, thank you. Now, uh, at least that's the number I was able to come up with. Okay, it, it, now let's reset, let me state that again. Public hospitals, you say. Mm-hmm. Not private hospitals. Right. Public hospitals. And there are lots of private there hospitals. There are lots of private hospitals to, add, private to hospitals. add to that, yeah. yes. But public hospitals, not all of those are going to be primary care facilities. Some of them are going to be osteopathic or uh, 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 places, uh, orthopedic surgery centers, eye surgery centers, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But let's just take that 168 number. And 3,000 people divided by 168 comes out to be about... 20 people, more or less? 20, 22. So there, there are there. 20 extra beds being used that wouldn't have been used that of the available beds. Now, let's just take Licking Memorial Hospital, which is a pretty average hospital here in Licking County. But you said how many people? 300,000? Yeah. No, I said 3,000. Okay. 3,000 divided, divided by 168 is somewhere in the vicinity of... 21, somewhere in there. Yeah, no, it's not even 20. It's about 18. Yeah. It's about 18 beds. Yeah. So, 18 extra beds. How many beds does an average hospital, more or less, like Licking Memorial have? ICU beds? Just regular old oh, beds. Regular Just regular bed. old beds. Because a lot of these people aren't in ICU. A couple hundred? 277. Okay. All right. 277. Okay. So, what would happen? You've got about 10% of the available beds taken up being with being utilized by COVID. Yeah, the yeah. number of ICU uh, hospitalizations is 
still tiny. It's still minimal. Yes. It's a tiny fraction. It's a small fraction, maybe five or ten percent of the. So maybe three hundred. So that would be two extra bed, two extra ICU beds. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, are they going to create ICU beds for those? Yeah, they are because they don't want those people in the general population. Have you noticed one of the things that they're not talking about right now, Chuck? They're not talking about running out of PPE. No, they're not. It's really hard to run out of it when the hospitals, because of underutilization, have been laying off staff left and right, right, and you don't have the staff available to use up all the PPE. And that's the problem, Barry. This whole thing has... People are talking about how overwhelmed they are. They're overwhelmed because a huge amount of the staff in hospitals was laid off because of underutilization of the beds that are there empty. And these are the normal beds that people who have normal issues would be using anyway if they're kept over overnight or had a surgery or whatever. You know, all of those elective surgeries that we canceled in the yes. spring here in Ohio? Cancer treatments, uh, yeah. heart bypasses. Right. Um, name a surgery. Unless your appendix burst at one point, you basically, or, or you had... Uh, an emergency bypass that had to be done. You couldn't ha- get a surgery in April, May, around in there. Right. Now, what's interesting about that is, if you look at when the when the mask mandates went into effect, right, it was after the peak of the infection. Right. Well, after. Well, that's because we'd flattened the curve already. We had to have something else in order to keep the public in an uproar. Two weeks to, to flatten the curve. You remember two weeks yeah, to so flatten the curve? Yeah. yeah. Just like the 21 days of uh, locking us in, uh, in a curfew will, will somehow magically get us past the, the horror of it all. And, and we'll be all right. Right. God knows COVID only attacks after 10 o'clock at night. Well, that's what uh, my, my son-in-law and I were joking about that. We were up in the house singing, uh, they only come out at night, you know, uh, Hollow Notes. <laughs> oh, the it, it only yeah. comes out at night. Yeah, it's a man-eater, yeah. COVID-19, <laughs> it's a man-eater. Oh, here it comes. I apologize to everybody who had to listen to yes, that. Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry. And now you understand why uh, I don't have the microphone for uh, people ask me to sing in the choir. I go... You don't want that. You don't even want me to do karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No, but, you know, that's the whole point. Now, as we know, Chuck and I, this this is where we are right now today in Ohio. We are on the eve, and by the time they hear this, we'll be into it for three days, of a new order from our esteemed Governor uh, DeWine that, Wow, because of all the cases. Now, you notice they went from talking about flattening curves and bed utilizations and PPE support, et cetera, to case numbers, number of cases. But, Chuck, we're starting to realize every positive test is treated like a new case, and there are people who've tested okay. three, four, and five times. All right. That also is a logical fallacy. What's it called? You, you'll know this one. What's it called when you say uh, – when you uh, – Take a term and broaden it to the point where it's meaningless. <laughs> uh, you, yeah, it's equivocation. Brain, it's equivocation. Thank you. My brain just shut That's down. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's equivocation. That means you've basically taken the term that means something and, and broadened it or or narrowed it, it, one or the other, uh, to a point where it doesn't mean anything. And right. cases means nothing. Because all a case means is a positive test. 
Now, but as we know, let's the take, testing is questionable. Let's take a for instance. Okay, go ahead. Elon Musk. Right. Stood there in a testing center. Yes. Uh, basically commandeered a technician, the same technician, who took four, four tests. COVID tests in a row at the same time yep. on the same machine, the same technician, the same equipment. Now, of course, they threw away the Q-tips each time well, they, yeah, yeah, they, they did didn't the use test. The yeah. But the same equipment. Yep. Uh, and he ha- of those four tests, two came out positive and two came out negative. Okay, got another one for you. Saw this in the media. Um, a singer by the name of Erica Badu. Yeah, who I believe do. it does a lot of like you know, um, it's it's R and B R and B stuff. Yeah, yeah, soul soul stuff. She tweeted on her Twitter, which I'm surprised Jack Dorsey didn't block, saying yes. it was like a false information that she was done with the whole idea because she they have to every time they do a performance they have to take a test. They have now. to take a test. And she said basically they did the swabs one in each nostril. Right nostril came back negative, left nostril came back positive. Same day, same test. She was like, who's kidding who here? That's the same thing that happened to Musk. He said, well, I guess I've got it in one nostril and not the the other. other. (laughs) (laughs) Now, could that be legitimate? No. No, we can't. (laughs) It's like, folks, if you have the microbes, if you have the virus particles... You have them in your body. It will show up wherever they decide Believe to test me. in your mucous membranes. It migrates real fast to all mucous membranes. Oh, my gosh. Real I fast. Mean, unless, of course, they were inserting the COVID virus into them with the test. Now, don't, don't I get don't want paranoid. To get don't get paranoid. paranoid. I'm not getting paranoid about this. <laughs> but, but the point is, is the tests have been shown time and time and time and time again to be completely unreliable measures and... There's another little aspect now. Chuck, I pointed this out to you. Hopefully you went over and looked at it, and maybe we could link this uh, to our show notes for or on the website at principalpolicy.com for today's show, is that there's a great article over on Zero Hedge by an author who basically talks about the this whole idea of the case number scare and how that's ginned up because oftentimes what they're counting is when they take and send those tests, they have to run because they use that rap that real time the rapid test the, the RT PCR PCR RT PCR tests that they have to cycle those and after you do about thirty cycles to find the viral load they're basically worthless because they are drilling down to try to find something that's so minute that it couldn't have any possibility of actually cult- uh, culturing and infecting. Okay, I have, I've never run one of these, but I, I'm a biochemist, so yeah. I, I have a familiarity with the PCR test. What you're doing each time uh, is doing what they call amplifying a gene. Right. You can go down from a single copy of a gene and create as many copies as you want, depending on the number of cycles you're willing to run. It's well known uh, in professional circles that if you want a uh, a reliable result, you do not run over about thirty cycles, right? Because what you begin to mu- multiply is every piece of junk DNA, RNA, 
uh, whatever that's out floating around in your Frag- system. Fragments, there, yes. there are illnesses you may have had six months or a year ago. There's little pieces floating around, and you're amplifying them. And here's the problem. When a lot of these tests that are being done on the RT-PCR, a real-time uh, polymerase chain reaction, these are uh, being done at 40 reps. At 40 reps, it's essentially taking a whisper uh, and blowing it up uh, to so you could hear it over a five-county area. Like, a, like at 30,000 decibels. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, uh, yeah. So, so you have amplified whatever pieces of DNA are out there floating around to the point where it looks like COVID because it'll stick to the primer. Right. So you've got all this stuff sticking to the primer. Oh, that's a positive test. Well, any technician who knows how that works says it's junk. It doesn't mean... Once it gets you, past 30 cycles, you basically, you, you're basically out there. Yeah. Uh, you, you might be infected and you might not. And and the people who are doing this realistically... The other problem is that the antibody test, you may, you may have the antibodies. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, doesn't mean you're okay. infected. It just no, means you have antibodies. It means you may have been infected months ago, and, or and exposed to it, and your body or had a response exposed to it. to it. You have herd immunity because here's one of the things about wearing a mask and social distancing in the places where they didn't do it, they have herd immunity. The death and infection rates are lower. Why? Because people went to the grocery store and they got in, they got exposed to the virus, but they didn't get a the, they didn't get major the pro- load. Of okay, it, yeah. there's a thing called a viral load. Right, exactly. And you have general immunity even against COVID, but it can be overwhelmed by a viral load. That's the problem with the vaccines that are that are one of the major problems. There are lots of late major problems. One of the major problems is you can overwhelm. A viral load. Uh, uh, put it in terms of uh, uh, the polio vaccine. Yeah. You know, I, I have no objections to the polio vaccine. I, I would hope, I, I know my kids all got their kids polio vaccine. I've had it. Um, everybody, I, I'm very pro polio vaccine. But um, they warn you, or at least they used to, they warn new parents. They go, be very, wear gloves while handling the Diaper diapers changes. of a yeah. baby that's just had a polio vaccine. Because there will be scads of live virus, attenuated, nonetheless, live virus in there. You can have a pickup case of polio from handling the fecal material of an infant who has been recently inoculated inoculated for polio. Because it's a live virus. And you overwhelm your natural immunity because uh, you've got the... There are like six systems of immunity Mm -hmm. it's not just immunoglobulin it's not just antibodies it's not just this it's not just that there's general immunity there's uh, immunoglobulins there's uh, t-cells one of the things that they're telling us that that you're going to get is with the vaccine you're going to get antibodies but you're not going to get t-cell uh, and uh, okay. you really need T cell okay. to fight and, it off. And I want to go into this real quick. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to go into this because this is extremely important. The vaccines that Merck and Pfizer and everybody else, Johnson and Johnson, are all touting right now are mRNA vaccines. Messenger RNA. They have never been done before. Instead of 
shooting a live attenuated viral cells into your body so that your body triggers an immune response to fight them off with a low viral load because they can't, they're attenuated means they can't attach and, and multiply. Or they can to some extent, but they can't. Attenuated means they're um, um, mutated. They're, mu- they're mutated as well. But the point is, is that instead of that historic way we, we've done immunization and let your body develop those cells, an mRNA vaccine forces the chain, the RNA chain, into your cell and makes your cell yeah. become a factory of pumping out these type of viral loads okay the the way in order to try to get your immune system to fire what off they're it. trying to do it's you're trying to develop and they're not going for t-cell immunity right they're going for uh antibody immunity antibody immunity right um and that's why you're hearing these things it's 95 percent effective well what that means is it's 95 percent effective in getting a an antibody built Right. Antibodies are, yeah, they're a real tenuous uh, uh, immunity. Um, sometimes those go away after, mm-hmm. I mean, they're already talking about the fact that you're going to have to have a COVID vaccine every year. Just like a flu shot. Yeah. yeah. mRNA is messenger RNA. And what it is, it's, it, it's the RNA that you basically use to, to haul pieces of the protein that's, that's being uh, made by DNA over to another place. Uh, it's, uh, it goes over here and it's and it's put together by another piece of RNA. There's messenger transfer RNA and and um, um, I can't remember the, all, all of them. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been in the in the uh, protein production. But the fact is, what they're doing is they're trying to get an antibody. Uh, these live viruses. What happens is you go in and they go in and try to try to uh, these attenuated viruses they try to multiply themselves this is why a lot why you've heard so many how many people do you know that go in and get a flu shot and still get the flu oh lots and lots and lots of the reason is that's a live virus yes so what you're getting is what they call an attenuated case it's not as bad as you might get not everybody gets it some people develop the immunity like right away or they use the immunity they already have to another virus and sort of uh, the body sort of uses it as a building block and says, okay, we can block that one too. We can manufacture the block. This, this is why young people aren't getting uh, COVID as, as heavily because they have immunity to SARS, MERS, uh, yep. avian flu, all these things in the body saying, hey, we can put together, we can do a quick defense here. Uh, we you can know, build it better, faster, yeah. stronger. That's it's right. A $6 million, <laughs> Six million dollar man. <laughs> it would cost who would cost like billions. Exactly. In, well, in, well, you know the, the inflation rate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that was fifty years ago. You yeah. know the, the inflation, it's inflation rate. dude. <laughs> um, but the body is a beautiful thing. But when you start messing with it and think you're smarter than it is, it has a way of turning around and biting you. I'm not. Can, uh, can, can anybody uh, say wanna, autoimmune disorders? I want to <laughs> disclaim right up front. I'm not telling you whether to get it or not. No. Um, what I'm saying is you should go in informed and understand that there are autoimmune problems that can happen with these kind of, these kind of vaccines. That's right. Now, does everybody get those? No. Uh, but I can remember people in college when I was in the seventies, when, uh, the swine flu showed up, everybody, they, they went into this crash program to, uh, to create swine flu vaccine. And, uh, um, 
I knew people that were required to take it. I refused to take it, and I not all of them. I I, ha, I was uh, interested in a girl in college who uh, was a nursing student and had to take it, and she took it, and she was sick for weeks. Uh-huh. Weeks, and it was autoimmune stuff. I mean, it, you know, she didn't get Guillain-Barre syndrome or any of that, but there were people who got Guillain-Barre, which is a debilitating nerve uh, autoimmune nerve disease where basically your body says, Oh, look at the nerve. It's false. It, it's a, it's an attacker. And some people die of uh, Guillain-Barre. Some t- people get uh, crippled. They're not necessarily permanently crippled. Uh, you very often you do recover, but other people limp for the rest of their lives from Guillain-Barre syndrome. So keep that in mind. I'm yeah. again, I'm not saying not everybody gets it. It's a small percentage. Uh, but I want to know, uh, before I take any, uh, any vaccine, what are the side, what are the potential side effects? What's the percentage of those that get it? And you should ask those questions. And unfortunately, here's what you're going to hear from your doctor. We don't know yet. You know why? It's too new. Right. Exactly. Some of these things. uh, We don't have any longitudinal data. None. So this 95 percent, 93, whatever percentage that they're all touting means absolutely nothing. I'm trying to keep this as simple as I can because uh, this is a complex subject. But the fact is that... um, we be I, I I went in and talked to my doctor about this, and she kind of you know poo pooed me, and I'm like, Doc, you forget, I'm not the average layman. I have a degree in biochemistry. I've studied some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, to be first to tell you, I wasn't the greatest student. Uh, my uh, even though I got a degree in biochemistry, my best science was physics. Okay. <laughs> so if you want me to explain to you why uh, why they bank a curve in a in a racetrack. I can probably do the calculation if I can, you know, find a reference book. I can say, yeah, I can probably still calculate that. But the fact is that uh, um, I did study these things. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, uh, Barry can look on my shelf right behind me. I think I've got an immunology book right back here. Yep, you do. Yep. (laughs) Um, It's a nursing immunology book, but it's very informative. Um, So, again, uh, I'm not a physician. you got to ask your doctor the right questions and make the decision for yourself. Um, it, it, there's potential major potential problems, and there's some that we won't know about for five years. Mm-hmm. It's true. So, um, but is but, but are are people lying to you about this thing? Yes, they are. Are the numbers real? No, they're not. I've actually heard people claiming that the number of COVID cases is undercounted. Uh, no, it's not. Not when you're getting fifty percent positive and fifty percent negative in the same person. That's right. They're probably overcounted. They're way overcounted. Way overcounted. And the, and the number of deaths, we already know the number of deaths from COVID. You think pe- uh, that over 200,000 people have died of it? No, they haven't. No. About 10,000, maybe 11,000 people have died just of the virus because it's not that deadly. What they've died of is emphysema. They've died of uh, pneumonia. Yep. They've, they've died of... Uh, Many, many, many diseases of old age that have caught up to them because you know what the average age of death still is? Average age. 79. 79, okay. 79. Folks, that means if, if you understand the statistical approach, 
that means the average age is 79, which means there's a whole lot of people way older than that that are dying and very few people younger than that that are dying. It's true. Now, let's face it. There's not much room between 79 and where you really got no more room, you know, if you've hit 100. I think the oldest person living on record right now is like 112. The oldest person on record is pro- around 122. Well, okay, on re- uh, well, no, the oldest person on record is over 900. Well, yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's let's just say modern record. Uh, modern record. There was right. a woman who, uh, believe it or not, this is a story I read years ago. Yeah. There was a woman who was given free rent on her apartment in Paris right around World War One, at the end of World War One. Uh huh. And they expected her to pass away any time. And she lived, She was at 68 or something. She lived to be 122 years old. So she lived in this apartment rent-free from like 1918 until uh, 68 years later. Or 60, uh, 58 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, into the 70s, she lived in this apartment. So, you know... Uh, but think about it. Seventy-nine years old. How much longer do most people live? The average, the average age uh, of death from from just natural cause or all causes combined, I think, is seventy-eight. So how deadly is this? Yes, we all have heard about people that have died, but what else did they have? I keep hearing stories. Oh, he's perfectly healthy. Oh, yeah, five years ago he was a leukemia survivor. Guess what? That's a comorbidity. Yeah, that's right. That's not perfectly healthy. Uh, people that have survived cancer are, woo! hey, right here. They're ill. Yep. I mean, they, they are in, they're in uh, your immune system. If you took chemotherapy, radiation, I don't know what to treat. I know you had surgery. I had surgery. That was all. I did, no chemo? I, did, or, they, I didn't have to have either one or the other. Uh, well, congratulations. I know. I know. <laughs> um, because uh, chemotherapy is very rough on the body and radiation is very rough on the body. I mean, it, it does permanent. You live, which is a good thing, but you live with consequences. It's like being in a car wreck. Yeah. If you smash yourself up, uh I smashed myself up going on. It'll be uh, 40 years ago this March. Uh, every day I have pain. I have pain in my lower back. I have I have pain in my shoulders. I have my left arm doesn't work correctly. Uh, my teeth have to be uh, <clears throat> worked on regularly because they're all cracked. Um, so uh, not to overemphasize, you have to make the decision about your health. Yes, that's true. And you have to have the the problem is that all the questions that you should be asking are being censored. They're being censored by the government. They're being censored by private big tech. They're being censored by uh, uh, domain providers on websites that are basically talking about these things. These people are finding themselves deplatformed. Um, the conservative treehouse, a place where Barry and I like to go out and look at stuff, was just deplatformed by WordPress. I heard about that. Um, th- this is the age we live in, folks. Uh, these places that are publishers, that that are uh, public forums, are creating themselves in to be publishers. There, And there's a difference. If you want to uh, go back a couple of shows, we talked about the difference between a publisher and a, and a uh, public forum. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they're, igno- they're ignoring that. So... Um, I- you know, with the, the minimal amount of time that we have left, um, you know, 
we're open to comment about this. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, just wait, because the governor's sitting around waiting to see what other kind of restrictions he can he can put on us. Uh, Barry mentioned at the front. Well, just got I just got a notification. Uh, Franklin County here in Columbus has just basically put a stay-at-home order starting at 6 p.m. on Friday for 28 days. They don't want anybody going out unless it's essential. We're back to that again in Franklin County. Well, 28 days gets us real close, not quite there, to Christmas. Just about. Not know. quite. Yeah, we'll start week, this week Friday. Shy. So, yeah, about a week shy of Christmas. And they will extend. Yep. Okay, that being said, you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.